should be uh, familiar to you uh, as we, we see that written in a scripture. And I think we've kind of lost sight of that. Um, they don't they won't know that we are Christians by um, the political party that we back or the programs that we do necessarily or um, any of those other myriad of things. They will know that we are Christians by our love. And it seems like today we, we are known more for what we are against than what we are for. I would imagine, um, and I actually seen this, somebody did this test on Twitter. Um, they, they put up a billboard, I forget what city this was in. They put up a billboard with a question. When, when I say Christian, what is it that comes to your mind and to text this number? And you should have seen the responses, most of which I cannot repeat. Because the people that read the billboard, when they thought of Christian, they thought about all the things that we, we are against, so to speak, or the people that claim to be Christians anyway. I don't know if they were actually all professing Christians that interact with these folks, but uh, the majority of the responses were not favorable because... Uh, I'm not sure the majority of people that claim to be Christ are known, in fact, by their love. Think about that. Uh, we should be acting like Christ. We should be becoming more and more like him as we are being sanctified. Uh, turn with me, if you will, your copy of God's word to Acts chapter 2 be in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42 this morning. You know, in 1964, three families out of First Baptist Church in Clarendon Hills met with the goal in order to plant a church. And in November of 1965, Reverend Victor Pedum became a serving, he started serving as mission pastor and purchased the land that we now sit on um, in our current location on July 21st of 1966, where we first became known as the Briarcliff Baptist Mission. It, we, we were known by this name until May of 1967, where we were constituted under our present name, First Baptist Church of Bolingbrook. And we started that church, this church, with 65 charter members. So just a few weeks ago, we celebrated our 54th birthday or anniversary. Victor Pedum served with us from 1965 until 1975. Then Alvin Johnson came and served for 24 years after that. John Scan served for five years from 2001 to 2006. Brandon Holisky served with us for seven years. And Robert Strong served from 2015 to 2017. And at present, I have served since May of 2018. Um, can you believe this is my fourth year? Wow, it's, I would imagine I got fired by this point. Yes, <laughs> I guess there's still time. But this is amazing, isn't it? And just looking back at our, our history as a church at First Baptist Bolingbrook and and how deep it is. This is not insignificant. You know, uh, somebody to live 54 years, we would be celebrating. Um, and they just, they're just getting started, right? There's still more life left to that person at 54 years of age. 
And here we are as a church celebrating the, the same number of years. Now, I, I mention this because none of this is an accident. God has placed this church here on Briarcliff Road for a reason. And as a church body, we need to ensure that we align with God's mission and not our own, right? We need to look for what God has placed us here for and why he's placed us here. And as we come out of this pandemic, the next 6 to 12 months are going to be crucial for us. As we, we come out of this and the state continues to open, what we do is going to be vitally important to who we are as a church body. What we do as a body of believers in the next 12 months are not only crucial for the future of this church, but also for the community of which we serve. Over the past three years, I've been uh, saying that we need to think differently about the way that we do church and about the way we serve God and about the way we serve the community. Now, 54 years ago, people viewed worship and they viewed a relationship with God as something very positive. And as I just mentioned by the, the, the people that put up the billboard about what comes to mind when you think about Christians, it is no longer the case that Christians or churches, uh, Christ, are looked at in a positive light. Pastors used to be highly respected. And as a church, if you ran a, a, a well-run program, that people would come because they were looking for those programs. None of this is the case today. We're now in a post-Christian nation. We're in a post-Christian world. Folks are not looking for our VBS. The folks are not looking for the programs that have given us success over the years. The things that worked in 1960 are not going to work for us in 2021 because the people are not the same as they were 50 years ago. Even if they do try to attend the church, they're deterred by what they find. They find unhealthy churches that are cliquish. They find churches that are divided over politics, music, race, economics. The people in those churches are nothing like what Christ has called them to be. They look nothing like the Christ that these people claim to follow. And as you think about how sad it is that those churches look that way, I don't want you to be mistaken and confuse the fact that we are included in that. We don't have all of our stuff together either. That there are people that have come through the, the doors of our church and have been turned away because we resemble a lot of these things that deter them at other churches. Again, what we do in the next few months will make or break us as a church body. We need to ensure that we're on track of revitalization and health. It is so important. This is key for us as a body of believers. As we stand here in this building, has been here for 54 years, what we do next will determine if we're here for 54 more. So what is the anatomy of a healthy church? What is it that we should be striving for? 
I believe is distilled in our mission statement. What's our mission statement? Oh, I got quiet. I see some big eyes. Our mission statement is to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, to thrive as a body of believers, and to serve Bolingbrook in the greater community. I don't say this because I think it's cool. I, I say this, and I say it over and over again, so I'm hoping that it'll sink in. And, you know, it's been three years, so maybe in another three years it'll sink in. But this is why we're here. We're here to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, thrive as a body of believers, and serve Bolingbrook in the greater community. And I didn't just come up with that out of thin air. We'll talk about where that came from, and I think we can see it in our text today. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. Acts 2, starting in verse 42. Here God's word reads, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the needs to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, thank you for 54 years. 54 years of us being constituted as your church. Here that in this local body that we're here to uh, proclaim your name on high so that Bolingbrook might know the name of Jesus through the people that have passed through our doors. Father, we look to you. We look to you right now to help uh, encourage us, give us strength, give us knowledge, give us wisdom as to how you would have us to continue to serve you, Lord. What is it that you have uh, for these people that are congregated here, those people that will continue to come through our doors? Uh, how, how is it that you would have us to serve them? How is it that you would have us to go reach people for you? So they would have not only their needs met physically, but uh, their, their spiritual needs met. That they might know who you are. They might know about the free gift that is available to you through the Son, Jesus Christ. How is it that you might mobilize us so that um, people would know your name and that you would receive the glory? Help us to see that through our text here this morning, Father. Hide me behind the cross so people might see more of you and less of me. May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, in whom I trust. So in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. So here we are in, at the end of chapter 2 in the book of Acts. As a reminder, Peter has just given this fire sermon and had thousands of people come to know Christ. Thousands of people who have come to submit their life to be saved. And just as God spoke in the universe, leapt into existence by his word, in the same way, um, his word builds his church. The church is God's plan. Christopher Wright, in his book, The Mission of God's People, says, 
it's not so much that the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, God's mission. That's, that's, that's important. That's, that, I mean, that really penetrates my heart. I think we often have it flips. We, th- we think, oh, well, this is the, the church's mission to go and do these things, but we're instruments of a sovereign God. We are here in order to serve out the mission that he has set forth, forth for us. Christianity is personal, but it's not individualistic. It's, it's corporate. When we get together this, as a corporate body, we come together to, to worship. We get together to pray as a, a corporate body in addition to the individualistic part as well, that we pray to God on our own. But it's so important that we come together. We are made to be in community. So what does a healthy church body look like? And I think it's all laid out is, is succinctly put here in verse 42. And it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to breaking bread and the prayers. So first, a healthy church body is devoted to God's word. The first piece sets the stage for everything that, that we are and everything that we do without the foundation of God's word, we're, we're rudderless. We don't know where we're going. We, there's no target for us. Well, there's no foundation without first having God's word. So the apostles, they took time to teach everyone about Christ and the scriptures. And even though the Holy Spirit was uh, poured out on them, they never abandoned the study of God's word. This is vitally important. It's important then. And, and, and now I think it's more important now as we are in this post-Christian world. This is vitally, this is why I've been encouraging everybody that we read through the Bible together in a year. Now, I know it can be tough, it can be a lot, and we've got busy schedules, but you got 15 minutes. You can spend 15 minutes out of your day to read God's word because of this very reason. Without this foundation, we are sunk. We are targetless. We don't know where we're going and how we're going to get there without having this solid foundation of God and his word. If you're walking in and being guided by the Holy Spirit, you will inevitably be drawn by his word. Paul, in each of his letters, continually drew people back to the gospel and what is taught in Scripture. He tells Timothy and Titus about the importance of sound doctrine. In 1 Timothy 4 and 16, he says this, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. It goes on to tell Titus in Titus 2 and 1, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. You don't know what sound doctrine is unless you know what God's word says. 
I, I was watching uh, an, an atheist refute, refute, refute an apologist, an apologist is somebody who defends the faith. And, and this atheist uh, found a, a video and he wanted to respond to it. And it was clear from the onset he has no idea what Christianity is. He wants to say, well, this apologist, this guy is wrong because of all these different things. But clearly he had no idea. He had no foundation. He had no biblical standing for what he was refuting. He doesn't know. Of course it doesn't make sense to you if you don't know. And just like in the garden, we, we have serpents that come to us and try to twist Scripture and say, well, God didn't really mean that when he said. And if you don't know God's word, if you're not in it every day, if you don't have this foundation, you might say, oh, I can see, I can see that. That makes sense. And be led astray. This is so foundationally important for us. As a pastor, it's important for me to keep the main thing the main thing. And as tough as it is, I don't want to stand before you and talk about everything that is going on in the news. And I, and I see these things happening on social media. Well, the pastor we, that didn't address what's going on in the news. And we got these atrocities happening in the world and our nations. And our pastors are not standing up and talking about it. Well, I'm not. I'm not for a, a few reasons necessarily, unless it comes and, and it, it has to do with the text that we're addressing. I'm not going to be chasing rabbits down every little hole because we need to keep the main thing the main thing. And you know what? When we keep the main thing the main thing, then we know how to react to the atrocities in the world. When you know what God's word says and you know what God is calling you to do, you will know how to react when things don't go right outside of these four walls. When things are happening to people that it shouldn't, when people are uh, downtrodden or being oppressed or people are, are being killed or uh, the, the, the rules are changing and these laws are being mandated, you'll know how to react if you are, have your nose in this book. So there's no need. And, and with, through God's providence... It comes up anyway. That's what I've noticed. I plan out the, the, the schedule for the year, and almost every time that something happens in the news, it just comes out of the texts. God knew before I knew. He, he, when I'm praying and planning the schedule, he knew what was going to happen and ordained on that day that it will come up anyway through the text. The pulpit is not the place for pastors' opinions. It's not for entertainment. It's not for stories. The pastor's job is to open the sacred text and proclaim what thus saith the Lord. And that's what I'm here to do. That's what this church is about. But I have to admit that it's hard. <laughs> I want to say some stuff. But I got to stick to what the text says. For so many years, this church has been more about programs than producing mature believers and reaching the community. Each time I pray about this, I come back to the fact that Scripture is sufficient to build and bless God's church. I keep going to God and say, why isn't this, why don't we have more people? Why are more people being saved? Why, why aren't more people being baptized? Or maybe we need to have this program or that, or, or if we had this, this going on, and, and, and it keeps coming back to like, stay in Scripture. 
Stay in his word. Do what God has called you to do. Don't try to do all the flashy things that all these other churches are doing. I keep coming back to the fact that Scripture is sufficient to build and bless God's church. With the ministering of the word, God's people must submit ultimately and submit to his word. So first, a healthy church body must be devoted to God's word. Next, a healthy church body is devoted to one another. This is the fellowship that is spoken of in verse 42. And in verse 44, it says, um, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. So these uh, first century Christians, they shared a common way of life. They were spiritually united as believers. Look with me in First John 1 and 3. It says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We enjoy a common fellowship with the Father through Christ as spiritual brothers and sisters. When I address you as family and brothers and sisters, that's not a cute thing I say either, right? We've, we've been adopted into God's family. We are co-heirs according to the promise if we follow Christ, we have been uh, adopted into his family. Romans 8 and 17, it says, If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Brothers and sisters, if you're out of fellowship with Christ's people, it's an indicator that you're also out of fellowship with Christ. If you're out of fellowship with Christ, then you will certainly be out of fellowship with his church. The idea is, is heard uh, throughout the New Testament. We can see this in John 13 and 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I loved you, you shall love one another. Romans 12 and 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I love, I love this verse because what, it, what would it look like to outdo one another in showing honor? Like, no, I want to help. No, I want to help. Get out of my way. I want to help. Oh, something needs to be done. Let me do it. No, I got the broom already. You can't have it. Huh? What would it look like for us to outdo one another in showing honor? Galatians 5 and 13 for you were called freedom, brothers. Only do, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. And we could go on and on and talk about this. But it's crystal clear that we ought to be devoted to one another. In his book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, It is grace, nothing but grace that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. Have you thought about this? Uh, one thing that's great about our church is uh, the multi-ethnic, the multi-economic, the multi-everything about our church, multi-generational. Not all churches look like ours. It, 
our, the makeup of our church is really hard to find. And people ask me, well, how'd you get the church to be that way? It's been like that for, for 54 years. So you look back at our old pictures, the black and white pictures we've got, it's always looked like this. This is how God has designed us, and, and this is how uh, our culture has always been. And, and aside from the blood of Jesus, none of us will probably ever have sat in the same room. I will probably not know many of you if it had not been for the blood of Jesus Christ and dying on the cross for our sins. How amazing is that? That because of what Jesus has done, has brought us together in the way that he has. From different walks of life, from different generations, from different economic classes. That we are together. We love one another because of who Christ is and what he's done for us. Think about that. Half the job of a good church member is just showing up. You can't build relationships if you're not meeting with God's people. And I don't mean that you just come and you sit in your assigned seat. I'm saying that you need to come and speak to somebody that you don't usually talk to. I'm saying that you need to invite them out to lunch with you and not just the folks you always go out with. Say, hey, um, I would love to start getting to know you and, and w- w- would you join me out for lunch today on my dime or you come to my house, whatever it is. Go to somebody that you don't know very well and get to know them because once you get to know them, it becomes easier to love them. A healthy church, a healthy church body is devoted to God's word. A healthy church body is devoted to one another. And a healthy church body is also devoted to the breaking of bread. I already, I already kind of touched on this. Um, Acts 2, 46 says, in the, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Now, this is a reference to the Lord's Supper in this, the context of a meal. So the, uh, unlike what we would do today, they would get together then and have a meal of the Lord's Supper, and they would reflect on the beaten and torn body and the blood of Christ that was poured out for us. After a while, this practice was done more in conjunction when they got together on the Lord's Day each week. But check this out. They not only met in the temple, but they also met house to house. So they, they were meeting larger gatherings, just as we do today. But in addition to meeting on the Lord's Day, they would meet house to house. They would invite each other over, have smaller groups, and break bread, celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Man, that would be a beautiful thing for us to be doing, right? Again, to reach out, not only the people that we know and feel comfortable with, but as well as those people that we, not, we don't know as well. Then, next, just as important as the rest, a healthy church body is devoted to prayer. This shouldn't be a surprise to us. As we go through the book of Acts, we will get a view into this vibrant prayer life of this early church. They had formal times of prayer as well as more ad hoc times, and they prayed individually as well as corporately. 
They, they prayed in the temple. They prayed in the homes. And, and when they walked from place to place, they were praying. When they found people who were sick, they prayed. When they made decisions, they prayed. Before they ate, they prayed. It seems like everything they were doing, they were bathing in prayer. I hope you're getting this message. They, they truly prayed without ceasing. It was part of their fabric. It was part of who they were. They were a praying people. Brothers and sisters, a healthy church is a praying church. That's why we have prayer service on Wednesday nights. I wish it was more than just that. I wish we had more people that would get together and it would be woven in the fabric of each of the individual of our church that they would be praying without ceasing. That even if you couldn't make it on Wednesday nights, they would say, I can't make it on Wednesday nights, but come to my house on Tuesday. I can't make it on Tuesday, but I'm going to be out in the parking lot on Saturday. What would that look like? I would imagine things would change leaps and bounds if we were truly effective in our own prayer lives. And I'm not admonishing you. I'm talking to myself as well. I, I have some room to improve in this area myself. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in things that we don't have, that uh, we don't have that many members, or we don't have any kids, or we don't have enough money. Well, the early church had less than what we got. But that didn't stop them from uh, busting down the doors and turning the world upside down for Jesus. That didn't stop them from bathing everything that they had to do in prayer. Finally, a healthy church body is devoted to evangelism. I don't use the term evangelism too much. People get scared when you talk about evangelism. But it's really just going and sharing with people about Jesus Christ. It's just sharing the gospel, sharing the good news. It, it, we don't have to go and knock on doors. Matter of fact, people don't even open their doors anymore. Have you noticed that? I mean, you go and knock on people's door. You can stand there. I see the cars in the driveway. I hear the kids in the background. I, I can smell the food being cooked, but nobody opened the door. We build relationships with one another, and, and that opens doors for us to be able to share the good news with folks. Or you might meet somebody out somewhere, and, oh, that's, that's, that's a nice hat, Gail. Where'd you, where'd you get that? Oh, I got it at this place. Yeah, I've, or I've had it for a really long time. And, and, hey, where are, you, where are you going so dressed up? I'm going to First Baptist Bowenbrook. Have you heard of it? Wow, look, look at how that door opened. You would be amazed how those doors can open if we would just be open to sharing the good news. You remember how many people were at it after Peter, uh, Peter gave his sermon? Just, just right before here. 3,000. 3,000 people. And surely the, the apostles, I mean, they were there, right? But surely they didn't talk to these thousands and thousands of people to, to go and, and bring them to the Lord. I mean, so Peter is giving out this sermon to everybody. And I'm sure this, these thousands of people had questions and thoughts and concerns. There were people out in these crowds that were helping deliver this message. The apostles weren't the only ones that were talking and baptizing all 3,000 of these people. Other believers had to be there speaking to them. And ultimately, the Lord is the one that added 
He's the one that converted them. The Lord used various means, including the faithful people that were there to proclaim his word. People were converted daily because believers were telling others about him daily. They couldn't help themselves but to share what is going on. Why don't we have more baptisms at First Baptist Bowenbrook? Why don't we have more guests coming in to worship with us? Why don't we have more people coming to, to join our church? Well, when was the last time you shared with somebody about Jesus? When was the last time that you shared the good news of the gospel? When was the last time? You see, a healthy church has a burden for people outside of the faith. They will boldly and compassionately share the good news with their friends. They will boldly and compassionately share with their families. They will boldly and compassionately share with their coworkers. Acts 2 and 45 says, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The people were doing what they needed to do and the Lord blessed them with more people. But they, they all were doing what they were called to do. Brothers and sisters, our text this morning highlights five critical experiences in the church that should inform how we are to operate today. It, it tells us what a healthy church body looks like and these things are important not only for our individual growth, but also for our corporate growth here at First Baptist Church in Bolingbrook. Those things where a healthy church body are devoted to God's word. A healthy church body is devoted to one another. A healthy church body is devoted to the breaking of bread. A healthy church body is devoted to prayer. And a healthy church body is devoted to evangelism. Put another way, they were committed to growing, thriving, and serving. They were committed to grow, thrive, and serve. Grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Thrive as a body of believers and serve for them, it was their Jerusalem, their Judea, their Samaria. For us, it's Bolingbrook and the greater community. This, brothers and sisters, is a simple strategy. It worked in the early church, and it can work here today. If we can't do the basics, if we can't do the bare minimum, there's no reason for the Lord to bless us. There's no reason for the Lord to bless this church. We may as well give it up and let some other people come in and do what God has called them to do. There's no reason God will grow us into thousands and cause us to have a great impact of our in our community if we're not committed to him. And I'm not saying that's a threat. Or maybe I am. We got to get our act together. We can't sit on our hands and expect manna to fall from the sky. God has called us here with a plan 
and a purpose to reach people for him so that he would be glorified. And again, if we're not going to do it, let us let people in here that will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a humbling message that we have here today. Not only should it be sobering for us, but it should be encouraging. It should be encouraging that you have uh, put us here and sustained us for over 50 years. Father, help us to take seriously the opportunity that we have here today that individually that we can come to know you better for ourselves, but we come together corporately as well and we can uh, uh, thrive as a body of believers and, and iron sharpening iron. And we can help uh, be in discipleship relationship with one another as we continue to grow in our spiritual maturity. And Father, that will help us to propel ourselves to go outside of these four walls to um, tell people and encourage them well, just as we were encouraged, that we will go and find and serve the needs of our community. And when they ask us, why in the world are you here doing these things for us? It's because uh, Jesus Christ has come and he's done it for us. That's why we go out and do it for you. That's why we are loving on you because God first loved us. Help people to know us by our love. And people will know, or at least be able to ask the question, what is it about those folks that go to that church on Briarcliff? Why are they, they always in the midst and, and cleaning up our community and they're, they're serving in different areas and, and making everything so much better? Why are they doing that? So that we can say all the magnificent things that Christ has done for us, being the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf so that we can be with him forever and eternity, that we can have hope in the midst of hopelessness, that uh, uh, we can just continue to, to go and be able to, to serve and just have joy in the midst of sorrow. Help us to live on those things. Help us to actually act as if we are Christ followers and we believe what your word says. Father, I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.